everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Turf Monsters Okali Football Beat Podcast. Chris Becker, your host, joined here by Dean Rule and Sadiq Tuma. We're gonna be your fo- we're gonna be part of the football beat this semester at the Okali. You know, last this time last year, we were all sitting in you know wherever we were. You know, we didn't know if school was gonna happen. We didn't know if football season was gonna happen. OSU's offensive line, you know, also didn't know if it was gonna happen. What was gonna happen? And then the first game happened. You got the starting lineup. You played. You ran two plays. And two of them broke their legs. This year, it's a little different. You know, they finally figured out towards the end of the year, kind of here and there. Finally got some run game going, some pass games, some pass protection. But this year, you have depth. You have your, you know, you, you almost have too many guys. That you, we, it's hard to predict a starting lineup. You know, you have multiple positions that can fit into multiple positions. What are you guys seeing from this offensive line? And what are you guys, what are your expectations this season? Well, personally, you're right. I mean, you look at last year and you thought you had such high expectations for this offense overall. Then, I mean, you look at the crux of it. You had Tylen Wallace, Truba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders. Uh, when he was healthy, he obviously had his moments. But the offensive line broke down very quickly, right? In, in just like a snap of a finger, you had five guys missing, right? Dillard Galloway, Jacob Farrell, Bryce Bray. And then you lose Hunter Anthony, Cole Birmingham all in that first day. That's difficult, right, for any situation. And suddenly you're throwing in guys who are supposed to start on the third team to yeah. begin the season, who are you know underweight, inexperienced. Obviously, eventually they were expected to take on a role, but they don't have that. Um, and then, yeah, Charlie Dickey, who's obviously an excellent offensive line coach, is forced to put in guys who are not ready. And that's why you saw so many struggles, and that's why so many games against Big 12 fronts that are much improved right the past few years, like Oklahoma or TCU or Kansas State. But... That I think that I think that was really the main issue last year. But coming into this year, right, they picked up more experience. Uh, the depth improves because of all that experience, right? Obviously, it was a struggle last year, but in 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 one way, it's almost like a blessing in disguise because you have these guys who are now learning to be in these um, situations. They're versatile because they're playing different positions, and then you have guys who've moved all around, and then you have guys who are just you know improving with time, and you bring in a few transfers, and I think this line looks a lot better. Right. Yeah. You mentioned those uh, those transfers you get. You get Caleb Etienne, you know, six eight, three hundred fifty pounds. That's a that's a big boy. Um, you know, you have these guys who you can fill into these spots, and you have all this experience. You have the no, you don't have injuries coming into the year. You get a full fall camp, full spring. Dean, what what do you think? You know, that Charlie Dickey, you know, a really good offensive line coach, one of the best in the country, could do with an offensive line where you have these experience, you have these these pieces, and you have a full you know off season to do it. You know. I think you got to look at last year, what he did with how little he had. I mean, these young guys didn't just get their feet put to the fire. They got thrown into the fire, right. and they struggled. And uh, I know Sadiq's going to agree with me on this. T- once the season started getting going, they finally had that continuity. Sure, people weren't playing their first position on the line, but they were. it was the same group of five people. And once that continuity kind of set in, they were able to actually put some good games together. I know, Sadiq, you agree, that Texas Tech game, that was mm-hmm. the best, you know, offensive line performance of the season. Des Jackson ran for 200-something yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, I, I think Charlie Dickey has proven he he can, you know, pioneer this, this line to do something great. And I really like what they've done in the offseason with this line. You lose Rye Schneider, center. He's gone after four or five years of starting. I forget exactly which one, but, you know, and that's a huge hole. But they bring in a guy that I really like, Danny Godlewski from Miami, Ohio. He comes in, and funny enough, he knows Josh Sills. 
not only were were they going to Josh Hills talked about the relationship they had in high school. They were going to the same um, you know summer camps for football. They knew each other when Josh Hills was playing at Toledo. That's the same conference as Miami of Ohio. So these guys know each other, and we all know about Josh Hills. He, he kind of stepped up as a leader in his first year after transferring from West Virginia. He stepped up and he kind of led that offensive line. So you, having him come back, choosing to take that extra year of eligibility. Put him next to another, I mean, Gra- Godlewski, he's a graduate transfer. So you got those two guys kind of anchoring the line. And, I mean, you already talked about ETN. It's a big dude. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point there with the uh, Charlie Dickey, obviously. You're right. It was that Texas Tech game where, you know, Tevin Jenkins opts out, who's by far the best offensive lineman, one of the best in the country, best on this team last year. And all of a sudden you expect, you know, things to just fall apart. No Chuba Hubbard, no L.D. Brown, a hurt offensive line, no Tevin Jenkins. But they have their best game. And the big reason why, I remember Mike Gundy just kept pointing to that game. They had continuity. They had five guys practicing together. Sure, they weren't, you know, the best guys you expected to start the season or, you know, back in May or June. But those were five guys who were working together who had gotten better throughout the season. And the impact of an offensive line coach is constantly, I think, underwritten and, not looked hard upon everyone's looking for you know the big guys the talented guys the experience obviously all that's important but offensive line play is so different because you're going up against defenses who can run stunts and you know confuse you it doesn't matter if you're 400 pounds you can't block anyone if you're covering the wrong guy right it's communicating it's sliding protection because you're going to have sometimes slanted blitzes you're going to have you know guys drop out and cover someone else uh, fly in that's the communication that's why you have offensive line coaches who are not only developing guys, but coming together with these game plans. And and that's why when you see teams sometimes without you know the best of guys who have really good offensive lines, you can almost always point to the coach. And that's why in 2019, I don't think OSU really came in with that expectation of you know a great offensive line. But Chuba Hubbard runs 2,094 yards. Spencer Sanders has a good time in the pocket. And you see the impact of Charlie Dickey in his first year. And last year, right, Dean? With very little, he did a lot, and that's why I think they were pushed forward. I think that's why this year they're going to be, you know, a main point for this team, and you know, really going to help them in the run game and in the passing game. Yeah, it, there's no position that con- that continuity is more important than in the offensive line. You have to move the unit. You have blocking schemes where you have to you, the two the, a guard and tackle have to pull out together and be, you know, on the same page and same pace, and you know, you, you got to block you do- double team blocks. You know, you have to be both have to get there at the same time. You know. If you don't have that, your musical chair shuffling people in and out, you know, guys who have never practiced with the ones or playing with the ones, you're going to have a tough time. And that was seen in 2020 yeah. where they just couldn't figure it out. And then the Texas Tech game, you know, we keep talking about that was the best game. That was the best game all around for Oklahoma State, I think, besides Miami. Yeah. You know, well, maybe not defensively, but well, it, <laughs> definitely they, offensively. Yeah, definitely sure. offensively. But, you know, we got, you, we talked about Caleb Etienne. Left tackle, you know, could play him, Hunter Anthony, a lot of guys. Right there. now, you have more. Now you, you have, have, yeah, have more so competitions, yeah. but for good reason. Yeah, yeah, for good. Re- and it's you'd almost rather have this than yeah. what you had last year. You know, we keep talking about. We've talked about all week who's going to start on the offensive line, and we keep throwing out names like, hey, this guy could, this guy could, Cole Birmingham, blah blah. Like some of these guys are going to get lost in the fold. They're going to have to. There's only five spots, yeah. and there's ten guys who could who could make an argument to play on the ones. Right, and it's important because when you have that depth, not only for, I mean. For injuries, right? It's not like defensive line or anything else where you're shuffling guys in and out. It's offensive line, you have those five starters, but if someone goes down, you have another guy who has experience, who's talented, and, you know, gotten stronger throughout the year. But, yeah, you're right. Like, when you're running the power run schemes or, you know, the inside zone uh, splits, which they run often, no matter – you could run the same play ten times, but against ten different fronts, you're going to have to block differently. And that's where the communication and the blocking scheme and the the understanding comes in because – 
each time you run it, you're going to run it differently, and that's why it's so important to have a guy like Charlie Dickey. Yeah, that's that's where what Dean said with uh, the experience that Josh Sills and Danny Godlewski bring, and to an extent, uh, Caleb Etienne. You know, he doesn't have D1 experience like these other guys, but he has JUCO experience, which means he's played college football before. So it's not like you're plugging in a true freshman into this, because Caleb Etienne is not a normal first year player. He's, I mean, he's first off, he's six eight. Secondly, he's played college football before at at least some level, which is huge when you're playing a position like the offensive line that needs leadership, needs continuity. You need to be able to lead the guys who are behind you. You know, you got guys, you know, Jake Springfield with a walk on, mm-hmm. uh, and he played a lot last year. He'll have guys. He's gonna be able to teach the new guys. And you know, Charlie Dickey's a good, good offensive line coach. And I think I think last year was kind of that, probably the the rock bottom for the offensive line. You know, everything that went wrong right. or could go yeah. wrong went wrong. And now, you know, they, they're turning a corner of sorts. They have the depth. They have these guys coming in. You have guys like Silas Barr, true freshman. You know, some guys next year coming in, signed. You know, this could be a turning point for the offensive line, something that's been a pretty big struggle for Oklahoma State for a while. I mean, look, it, it's easy to summar- summarize, you know. I mean, Charlie Dickey is that guy. He just – he has what it takes – to put together a winning team or a, like a winning offensive line. Mm-hmm. He knows. I, I think, like Steve said in 2019, Truba rushes for over 2,000 yards. 2020 scrapes together a starting five that honestly performed well for what it was. Mm-hmm. And with 2021, they've retooled, and I think this is going to be the best offensive line they've had under Charlie Dickey. Yep. Yeah, speaking of good offensive lines, you know, the one person who benefits from, or one of the many people who benefited from it, besides the whole offense, you know, Spencer Sanders, quarterback, he's going to be QB1. There's not, we've been at practice, there's not a QB battle. He's practicing with the ones. We'll get that out the window right now. <laughs> but, you know, is he the number one? Like, is he, the, what does he have what it takes to be the number one guy? I think, I think he's shown, you know, in his time at Oklahoma State that he has what it takes. He has the athleticism. He has the speed. He has the knowledge of the and IQ of the game. He knows what it takes to be here. He's got the confidence. He's got competitiveness. There's no question about that. He's one of, probably the most competitive guy on the field. I think he can do it. You know, look at last year's Texas game, Sadiq and Dean, and 400 yards. You know, if you if you take out the turnovers out of mind, that's a that's a Heisman level game. Mm-hmm. You put the turnovers in, obviously it kind of dampers that. Right. The last play of the game, he gets he takes a sack and. Right. But all in all. Not just looking at the stat sheet itself and kind of seeing what happened throughout the game, I think that might be the best game of Spencer Sanders' career. Yeah, and it's crazy because you're right. You take out those turnovers different. But you, obviously you have to factor them in, and that's why they lost. Uh, I mean, a couple doing the other turnovers. But the main thing with that is you look at Spencer Sanders from a holistic scope. I think he had a, you know, advanced season. I know we were talking about this yesterday. His completion percentage, his completions, attempts, as you pointed out, were exactly the same. But he did not have the exact same season. He was better. I'll start with this. I know you just mentioned competitiveness. To me, yeah, he's a gamer. I've said this so many times. He is so competitive. He's always trying to make that play, right? He's always trying to, you know, rush for that extra yard, even if he takes a hit. He's trying to fit in that tight window, even if it's possibly intercepted. You know, ten times you throw it, maybe once or twice it gets intercepted. That's all that matters, right? But that's that's the hard part in football because while you want to say, oh, yeah, don't throw those in tight windows, if you do, if you don't, they're just going to start calling you conservative, right? right. They're going to call you, oh, yeah, he doesn't want to yeah, ever gotta, take mistakes. Yeah, you got to take the lesser of the two. Right, and, and that's the issue. But that's the balance also where he can make those plays. His arm talent is elite. Everyone talks about Shane Ellenworth, this guy. Spencer Sanders has a rocket arm. His legs are obviously elite. He's got the rushing ability. He's got great acceleration, elusiveness. He can run, obviously. And I think his pocket presence got a lot better. 
uh, last year. Tony Mateo was brought in to help a lot of those mechanical issues, right? Some of the decision-making, which in 2019, he obviously showed off some of his talent, but he also was pretty raw in some aspects. And I think in 2020, he stepped up a lot. But with that offensive line and how they played, there was times where, you know, the offense was stagnant. Right? Right. They would go three and out three times in a row. So he felt like he had to do a little bit more, right? Which I understand. But let's say even if they were up 20, maybe he does try to push the needle regardless. But I think, like I was talking about Tim Rattay, I think he got he got better in some aspects. His throwing mechanics, I think, are, you know, obviously some people doubt it here and there, but I think it's fine. I think his footwork needs to improve, and that's why you see some inaccuracy here and there. But I think his pocket burns got a lot better. He was willing to, you know, stay in the pocket and trust his blocking, and he was able to make some, you know, really good throws last year, which he didn't do the year before. And the problem was, and, and you know, that's, to me it's even more impressive considering how much the offensive line was struggling, and still he trusted that. And that helped him so much. I think his, he trusts receivers. He's, you know, I think one of the better best quarterbacks in the Big 12 at throwing those 50-50 balls, which he did with Tylen Wallace so well. And you're sitting here thinking maybe, oh, Tylen Wallace, it's easy. It's not easy. you got to put it in the right place. He had pinpoint accuracy, and obviously Tylen went up and got those catches. I'm sure you'll see Tay Martin do the same exact thing this year, and who knows who else. But I think Spencer Sanders has all the tools, the physical tools. I think his confidence is off the charts. His competitiveness is obviously off the charts. And I think he's going to get better as a decision maker. And he has. He's obviously a leader. You can see him in post-game conferences with how much accountability he takes on. You hear from all the players about his leadership. You hear from Gundy, right? You hear all these things. So I think Spencer Sanders can be that guy. Right, yeah. You talk about you know, the offensive line and how – we've talked about it. It improved. It obviously improved. You put him behind that. It takes a little bit of pressure off of him to make things happen. You know, Gundy said that he's – Dean and I were at Big 12 Media Days when Gundy said this. He's he's seen Spencer grow to, in the last two months more than he had in the last two years. Which, even taking out the coach speak aspect of that, that's still like exponential <laughs> amounts. Like, obviously, a coach is gonna say he's seen these guys grow in the camp. But even if it's like partially true, mm. of how much he's grown, that's a lot. You know, if you if you can grow two months more than two years, that's a lot. And I think the injury had a lot to do with that, Dean. Last year, you know, we talked about his gaming, or how you know how much a gamer he is. He's gotta be itching on that sideline to get back into this game. And so instead of having to actually playing, taking time to learn and watch these guys talk to Tim Rattay on the sidelines, Dean, take walk me through that statement and just walk. You know what? What do you take out of that? Well, I think if, if you got Mike Gundy saying he's improved more in the past two months than the past two years, I think it's, it boils down to two simple words: Tim Rattay. You know, you bring in this guy, and you know I don't think it's a I don't think it's a secret that. Spencer Sanders really looks up to Tim Rattay. I think he'll be the first one to tell you, and I know he has said it on record before, how much Tim Rattay means to him in the relationship and how instrumental Tim Rattay was to his own de- to Sanders' development. Um, so, you know, I think that is going to be... I, you know, I, think, I think we talk a lot like this upcoming season is the make-or-break year for Spencer Sanders. Not that he's going to get benched, but is he really going to be you know, the net, like, are we going to go, oh, yeah, Spencer Sanders was as good as Mason Rudolph. You know, mm-hmm. is that what we're going to talk about 10 years down the road? You know, yeah. was Spencer Sanders the predecessor? You know, and I, it, last year it's hard to compare stats to the year before. I know his completion percentage was pretty much the same, 2019. It was identical. <laughs> identical. Yeah, go. 155 for 255, 47. Something like that. Something like that. It was, it was, it was completely identical the last two years. So right around 65% his mm. completion rate is. You know, again, they played less games in 2020. But point being, you don't want, 
if you're Spencer Sanders, you're not trying to plateau. Sure, those were good. Those were good seasons. You know, they were winning seasons. They played in bowl games. You know, but if you're Spencer Sanders, you want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And Tim Rattay, I think, is giving him the opportunity to learn and to take his game to the next level. And of course, maturity is now he's a redshirt junior. You know, there's there's obviously those elements coming into play, but. Like Sadiq said, he has all the tools you want in a college quarterback. You know, he's got the mobility. He's got the, like Sadiq said, he's working on the pocket presence. If he ties all this together, I think you're looking at, you know, another, you know, quarterback performance like 2017 Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, 2021 Spencer Sanders, I think, has the capability to put on another great Oklahoma State quarterback. Yeah, you- Camping. Yeah, you bring up Mason Rudolph. Uh, I was at an OSU event last night for the Alumni Association, and Gundy spoke, and he actually brought up Mason Rudolph when compa- like, talking about Spencer and how he's seen him develop. So you look back at Brandon Whedon and Mason Rudolph, what they did. They had a couple years or a year before they had that breakout year that everyone you know focused on, and now that's what made them big. They had a couple years of you kind of kind of exactly what Spencer Sanders has done. You know, he's made some questionable mistakes that kind of make you scratch your head, like, ah, this, is this guy really the guy? Is he, you know, is he going to take OSU's offense to the next level? And then all of a sudden, you have a full offseason. You have, you know, you get some coaches in. You, you learn. You watch some film. And then all of a sudden, something clicks. And these guys, now we speak of Brandon Whedon so highly at OSU, you know, one right. of the better quarterbacks in the history. Brett Mason Rudolph's in the NFL right now. You know, these guys had that season. And they had a couple, a couple, you know, below par seasons where you look at them like, eh, you know, could there be a quarterback competition? And then all of a sudden, they're clear cut, one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Big Twelve, if not the country. So, you know, I can Spencer Sanders be the, one of the best in the country? Sure, it'll take a lot, you know, because there's a lot of good, a lot right. of good quarterbacks yeah. this year. But he has all the like, the makings of what it takes. He it just has a click, and that's the hardest part about any collegiate athlete is you don't know when it's going to click. So it could click now, or it could click next year. But you know, next year might be just a year too late. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I agree. And you're right. I think I personally think he has those. Not to say that I think okay, he's going to be you know one of the best quarterbacks, but I think he he can ma- easily make it to that national spotlight. And I I, yeah, I totally forgot you said this. The Texas game. I think that's a perfect illustration because in in that game, it wasn't just him throwing 400 yards. He was driving the offense 60, 70, 80 yards against you know a very nasty pass rush. You know, led by Joseph Asai and a bunch of those guys, and still it wasn't. Again, it wasn't just you know Tylen Wall has burned a guy down the field wide open. You throw it, he gets an 80-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. He was striking through a zone defense, a cover for a difficult one, and he kept you know making good passes, making good decisions, you know escaping and you know finding guys. He was pushing the offense forward. You know, coupled in with the run game, it was a good performance. Now the issue with Spencer Sanders hasn't been that. Not that he can't drive the ball forward and push the offense. It's you can go 60 yards, you're at the 20-yard line, you throw a pick, right? right? Or you're going 40, 50 yards, and then you throw yeah, a pick. It's the finishing aspect. Right, exactly. And, and and that's the issue. Those are the back-breaking mistakes. And let's say you go 10 yards and throw a pick, suddenly the other team's in you know, their own red zone. That's the issue. That's football. You can make 10 great plays. The moment you do one, that could end it, yep. right, depending on the other offense is playing. And that's, that's the issue for Sanders. And that's why... Game managers exist. Like as much as we say, oh, conservative, this, that. I'm not saying Spencer Sanders should be replaced by a game manager. I'm just saying in general, that's why in football game managers exist because taking care of the ball is so important. That's why for Mike Gundy, Casey Dunn, and Tim Rattay, finding that balance with a competitive guy. Because when you look at those interceptions, 
some of them come back to bad decision making. Not many of them are not. I mean, some of them are because of bad throws, which is better because you're making the right read. You're just you know throwing under throwing it a little bit, over throwing it. But it's it's bad decisions because he's it's hindsight twenty twenty right because he's taking plays that he should just throw in the dirt, eat it, and you know move on, live live to play another down. But instead of doing that, he's you know pushing himself to try to make to throw into windows or make runs or whatever to do things he shouldn't be. And that's the maturity and growth. But again, it's not a perfect split. It's not a black and white thing. You can't look at every single play and say, oh, you should throw it or you shouldn't throw it. It's always hindsight's twenty twenty. But that's finding the balance for all these guys. Yeah, and, and you know, switching gears, you mentioned we talked about Tylen Wallace. We talked about all these guys. He's gone. Dylan Sterner's gone. Let's go over to the wide receivers. Go start with Dean on this one. You know, you lose. We're gonna break it up into. We're just gonna talk about the Z first, and then we'll go through that and just kind of break it up a little bit uh, better. You lose Tylen Wallace. He leaves his Z spot open. Ever all the offseason, it's been Tay Martin, Tay Martin, Tay Martin. You know, what do we think? Is can, he, can Tay Martin? You know, showed in the Miami game, he could probably do it. What, D- Dean? What do you think? Can can he step into that spot and fill it? You know, for me, I really don't think that this this spot is really up for debate. I think it is Tay Martin's. Yeah, you know, he transfers in. It's so hard, I think, to have a true perspective, you know, when comparing how people played last year, especially a kid who transferred in. You know, you don't get a full offseason. Yeah, you don't get a full offseason. He's still learning. He's learning the system on the fly. And yeah, you're playing behind Tylen Wallace. Right. Of course, he's not going to look great on the stat sheet. Right. You know. But, yeah, Tylen Wall sits out the second half of the Miami game, and well, all of a sudden, this Tay Martin guy. You know, <laughs> I, I think there's a yep. tendency to overreact. Up, well, he can't start. He didn't too good last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give him a little bit of slack. COVID year, mm-hmm. transfer. And it's not he's transferring from Tulsa or somewhere. He's transferring from Washington. Pullman, yeah. Washington, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's a culture change. There's a lot that played into that, and you're playing behind an All-American, a, a right. fourth-round draft pick. Yeah. Tate Martin, I think, is the guy. I don't really think this is up for debate, but I know you guys might disagree with me on that. No, I, I agree completely. You know, Tate Martin, he's showed glimpses throughout the season and the small amount he played. Like, cause like you said, he's playing behind an All-American. Not many people, you know, would stick around and be like, you know what, uh, you know, I could probably go find somewhere else I could play <laughs> and not be behind Tylen Wallace, you know, right. one of the a Blitnikoff finalists twice, you know. That's just, it's one just of the not, best receivers it's tough, in, yeah, yeah, in college round, football. Yeah, fourth-round pick, like, he, he sat behind him a year. There's probably no better person to learn from than somebody sure. than that, you know. And now he's the leader. He's the guy, you know. Casey Dunn talked about it on what Sunday about how you know when he first got here, he kind of was like, "I'm the guy. Give me the ball. You know, I, let right. me do what I do." And he's kind of shifted out. He had some heart to hearts with Gundy this offseason, and he's kind of like become a leader instead of you know instead of the, like you know I'm the guy. You know, you know, right. give me the ball and let me do my work. He's led the guys up. He's built these guys up, and now you know he could be Tay Martin. And, we gotta look back. You know, I know Sadiq's probably watched the uh, no like watch this you know from afar. You know, not being an Oklahoma State fan, but and Dean, you've seen it close and personal from being from Stillwater. All these guys, when they first took over that Z spot, weren't supposed to be draft picks. weren't supposed to be the be- Blitnikoff winners. You know, James Washington was just kind of a, another. He was just like Tate Martin. He was just another guy who stepped in that spot, won it after another guy left. Tylen Wallace, he came in, wore number eighty. No, no one really he saw like a couple snaps his freshman year. James Washington leaves. Goes to the NFL, Tyon Wall steps into the C role, and now look, now look at him. You know, Tay Martin could do the same thing. Kind of got a couple plays here and there in 2020, and now here he is. He is, he's six three. You know, he's tall. He can win 50-50 balls deep. Talk about that. Talk about his talent down the field and how he can save uh, from losing too much from Thailand. And, and you're right. And to, before I get to that, when Casey Dunn said that, I think that you know clicked a lot of my head. Where he said, 
Tay Martin walked into this building and he thought he was all that. He wanted the ball every play. Yeah, that's a mentality that you don't want, especially for you know playing under Mike Gundy, right? right? It's And I think that was very telling to see, okay, that's why he didn't play a lot of snaps early, even when they had some injuries there. But yeah, we saw in the Miami game, and like Casey Dunn said, it was by design to give him and Brennan Presley so many snaps. But I think you're right. When I watched uh, that game, the number one thing that stuck out to me was the 50-50 balls. He's, what, 6'3", 186, but he plays a lot, like we were talking about yesterday, he plays a lot bigger than 186. He is physical. He's great at tracking the ball. He can go up, high point the ball. He's a hands catcher. He goes up and snatches it. Those are all traits that we saw similar to Tylen Wallace. And he's not, he's not, and, you know, Tylen Wallace wasn't the biggest guy. He was, what, six foot something? Yeah. And he, he wasn't, you know, Des Bryant big or James Washington fast, but he was physical. Tay Martin has that. He's 186, but he goes up. He's physical after the catch. He's very elusive. He makes, he's got great yak ability, right? Yards after the catch. And, I mean, we didn't see a lot of him because we didn't see him on the open field. But I've seen, from the little I've seen, he's a great route runner. He's got great speed. And those are important qualities. And in that Z receiver spot, like, Dean, I, I agree with you 100%. I personally think Tay Martin is going to have a better season than Brennan Presley. And a lot of that has to do with not just, you know, Brennan Presley's ability versus Tay Martin's. It's that Z receiver spot. Like, let's take, for example, Dylan Stoner, right? For years, we've known he's had talent. But when he was in that slot and, and Tylen Wallace on the other side, we didn't see Dylan Stone ever really blow up for those big games. When did we see him? In 2019, when Tylen Walls went out with injury. Dylan Stoner played there. In 2020, when Tylen Walls went out with injury. And it wasn't just, hey, Dylan Stoner was the number one guy. It's the fact that they they put him at that Z receiver spot and used him in a different role. Because mm-hmm. when they put him there, they they used Tylen Walls, right, on the screens, on the hitches, on the curls, the crossing routes, right, the deep balls down the field, the fades. And that's a lot of what you see from that Z receiver spot. And when you watch Tay Martin at Washington State, those are the exact same routes he used to run there. And that's why I think he's got all the you know the tools, and he plays very similar to Wallace in that aspect. And he's great on those 50-50 balls. He showed a lot of savvy on back shoulders at Washington State. We're definitely going to see a lot of that between him and Sanders. And I think he's a very good fit there. And I think he's going to be flanked very well by Brennan Presley. Yeah, and he's he's we keep talking about how he's kind of filling in this Z spot as if like you know, he didn't play a lot last year. Right. But he's used to the big time role. You know, at, at Washington State, he played freshman year. He played 11 games, 31 catches, 366 yards, six touchdowns. Sophomore season, 13 catches, 16. Uh, sorry, 13 games, 69 receptions, 685 yards, eight touchdowns. You know, he and then his junior year kind of took a dip a little bit. Only 43 for 564 and four, but he has what it, he knows the system. He's in the air raid offense that right. OSU built their offense around you know years ago when Mike Leach was at Texas Tech. He knows the system. He knows exactly. kind of the the ins and outs of it. He knows, and something that, you know, Dean, Dean remembers this, Wien to Blackman, the, the little corner fade routes, you just toss it up, a tall receiver comes down and catches it. OSU hasn't been able to really do that. They haven't had a, you know, that tall guy, lanky guy. But Tyler has played that sort but, of role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to no, be Tyler clear. Tyler that too, but yeah. yeah. But, you know, you have a tall guy who can, you, Spencer, you're down at the two-yard line. Maybe you don't, maybe you try to run it in a couple times, you get stuffed. You can stop back, step back, Spencer can just throw it up to the corner and get, he's yeah. there. Yeah, and he does such a good job throwing them. Yeah, he's. Tay Martin has what it all it takes. Let's go on to the – we'll just combine the X and Y together. You know, you talk about – because all these guys are going to go back and forth between that's why, like what Casey Dunn said yes, um, Sunday. You know, Y is obviously going to be Brennan Presley's starting spot. He's going to fill in for dinner his own stoner. He, that's what he did in the bowl game. It's what he's been doing in practice. You know, and he's going to get his. You know, Sadiq, you said, you know, you always kind of – he's, he's going to be in the shadow of the Z receiver. That's just how it is in mm-hmm. most offenses like this. And But he's going to get his due. He's going to – they're going to design play for him. He's going to run. He's quick. They'll make plays. It's what comes after him is really talented too. You know, you got a lot of talented people after Brendan Presley right. who can fill into the X spot. 
or fill in, you know, if, you know, God forbid, Brent Presley has to, you know, miss a couple games. You got people who can fill in, and I think that's the most exciting part of this receivers room is the depth. You know, X receiver, you still kind of we've talked about this all week, right. uh, multiple weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, we don't who, we don't know who's gonna play there. Right. It could be one of like five people. You know, you got the Green Twins, you got Langston Anderson. You know, see if you can talk about him in a second. <laughs> you love him, um, and you have you have John Paul Richardson. You have um, Jaden Bray, who caught three touchdowns in the spring game that Dean and I witnessed. You know, you have the depth, and how, just how impressive is it, Dean, to have this depth and to be able to watch this and be like, you know. We don't know who's going to start, but whoever it is, you've got people behind them, and you know they, there's one person in that group who can really step up. You know, I think it's interesting because I, maybe it's the unofficial name given to Oklahoma State University, mm-hmm. but it kind of has become, at least in the last decade, wide receiver you. Right. You know. So just the, the influx and the depth to just constantly have that next man up mentality. Oh, James Washington, he goes and gets drafted. All right, Tylen, step up. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tyne Wallace gets drafted. All right, you know. That next man up, yeah. It's that next man up, and they just rotate, and they just roll. And I think, you know, there was kind of a renaissance in the Big 12 last season with defense kind of becoming bigger. You know, it wasn't let's all just score, you know, let's see, first team to 60. Yeah. You know, but OSU has that capability with the offense you know, obviously factoring the defense. We'll talk about that at a later date. But I'm not surprised OSU has this depth. Yep. They've proven, come here, and if you play yeah. well, we can pretty much guarantee you'll get drafted and yeah. you'll be given your shot to make a lot of money in the NFL. And I think Mike Gundy stresses that a lot. You know, when he, when I remember talking to him a lot during mm-hmm. when the draft was kind of getting ready to get going, you know, this kind of seems to be the mentality they preach. You know, yep. we're going to give you the best opportunity to go make a little money playing this game. Right. And you're right. There's so much depth in this team. I think that's what's so impressive. But there's also a lot of talent, right, with that depth. And we say depth right now because a lot of those guys are unproven, just, you know, mm-hmm. freshmen or guys who have been injured or haven't played a lot. But a lot of them could emerge, right? We could see five, six guys rotation where a lot of them are talented coming in with a lot. But, you know, it starts with, obviously, we talked to Tamar and, and Brennan Presley. Those are your, you know, Stuck up, one and two guys. And I said Presley, I don't think we'll have as good a season. But I think this team and Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy have done a really good job um, of utilizing him well. Because, yeah, Dylan Stoner is going to be used differently than – or, sorry, he was used differently than I think Brennan Presley will. Presley, they, you saw him. They used him on the jet sweeps, on motion. They try to just get him the ball in his hands. He even plays outside a little bit where they'll throw him on the screen passes, right? They'll run him on flats and just – He's so versatile. Right, and when you get him the ball in his hands, that's where he's dangerous. Just get him in space. He won't make – we saw in Miami, right? He, he caught the he little flat route. He threw, he threw a pass against OU. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you, you saw him against um, – you know, when he just gets out, catches in space, he's explosive, he's so fast, he's so quick, acceleration. He's very elusive, obviously. His, I mean, for 5'8", it doesn't matter, right? Because he can make so many moves after the catch, and that's what's so impressive about him. And I know this just slipped my mind, but you mentioned Tay Martin in the air raid before. A lot of those concepts are the same because when he played for Mike Leach, those air raid concepts, those routes are usually pretty simple, and that's what you saw Tay Martin run. And Mike Gundy isn't a full air raid you know, system right. quarterback, but or sorry, not quarterback, but uh, coach, but there are a lot of those concepts in this offense. Right? So, But after those two guys, that's where it gets really interesting. Now we know Brandon Johnson likely is not going to take that X receiver role, a spot we thought he might fill last year, but you know, he's still got speed and size you know to really impress they're moving to the slot maybe he'll be better there where he can get an advantage right with his speed um 
But yeah, you have Rashad Owens who looks like he may emerge. Maybe the Green yeah. Twins, right? <laughs> Maybe yeah, you're right, so Jaden yeah. Bray. There's so many different guys, and I think that's what's so impressive. And you, we might see a lot of shuffling early, not know who's gonna ha- not know who's gonna emerge. Lance Anderson obviously has been there for years. They just continue to get hurt. He's one where you know he could yeah. emerge if he finally gets healthy. But I think that's you know the backbone of this team, and it's so much. It's a better aspect. But it's gonna be interesting to see who really breaks out and who does what. Right, yeah, you you mentioned all these, you know, Rashad Owens and Langston Anderson. Rashad Owens is the only other freshman receiver last year besides for an impression to catch a pass. So, you know, you look at that, you're like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this guy steps up. Then you got the Green Twins, two four-star twin recruits who come in mm-hmm. from Allen, Texas, a football powerhouse. Who are now apparently 6'2", yeah, 220, yeah, which is apparently huge. Yeah, put on tons of weight into giant. But, right. And that's know, exactly what you want from an X oh, receiver, yeah. right? Yeah, you yeah, want you that because the yeah. X receivers exactly are the ones. Johnson has, but kind of right. like and he's not he as big, really, but yeah. he's got good size. But the, the Green Twins, six two, two twenty, extra hands. right. Yeah, those are the guys you're putting right on the line. They're up in press coverage. They're the ones you need to beat off the release. If they're able to do that, they might see snaps early. Yeah, and even if you know, we mentioned all these guys who are fighting for the starting job. Even if they don't, OSU loves to play too deep. Right, they do good. on defense right. and they do on offense. And this gives them that opportunity. These guys are still going to see snaps. I guarantee you, at least probably everyone we named, if they stay healthy, will catch at least a pass this year. Sure. You know, but moving on, Gundy last night said he brought up a good point. Five years ago, when or not five years ago, but when James Washington was here, they had that receiving core of five people. It was Jawan Seals, Chris Lacey, Marcel Aitman, James Washington, and I forget the last guy. But all five of them, you know, obviously James Washington had the great year. But all these guys caught passes. None of them really blew up because you have James Washington. But all five of those guys saw time in the NFL. So just because they're not playing doesn't mean, you know, Casey Dunn is probably the best wide receiver coach in the nation. Uh, now he's offensive coordinator. Obviously, kind of had to take a step back from that role. But, mm-hmm. but he's, he's still, still working he's with still super. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He know, People know if they come here, they're going to at least have the opportunity given to them, right. like Dean said, to play at the next level and make money playing the game. But another another place that OSU's been pretty good at putting people in the NFL is running backs. You know, yeah. they got a few playing this year. Uh, you know, coming up, you know, a uh, few come off. Kendall Hunter spent some time in the NFL. Justin Ran- Justice, uh, Justin Randall, Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard. And a lot of these guys have spent time in the NFL. You know, this running back room. Chris Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson's the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's the big one. Yeah. That's the big one. <laughs> but uh, this running back room has you know four, five. If you ask Gunny, seven guys who could you know. Has what it takes to you know break out of not not necessarily just at OSU, but if they were at any other school to be RB ones. And OSU was lucky enough that fourth these guys. Yeah, and when LD Brown came back, you're looking at this three headed monster with him, Dominique Richardson, and Desmond Jackson. But then you add Jalen Jalen yeah. Warren, uh, excuse me, who came from Utah State, and just looking at him and watching him a little bit, you see he's like. I forget who described him as a speedy bowling ball, but yeah. that's exactly who you see him. The physicality for a guy who's only five eight, he's got great balance. Um, he looks, and you know, as a runner, he's explosive, right? He's very fast. But now you see a lot of like when you when you mark up these three running backs over there, it's not all the same thing, right? Not all three of them give. I'm sorry, it is more of the same thing. Usually, when you have different running backs, you see different traits, which is not a bad thing at all. But you see LD Brown, Dominic Richardson, Desmond Jackson. All of them are pretty physical as runners. They've got great cutability, great vision, right? They're, they're one-cut runners who are going north and south. Obviously, L.D. Brown's the one who's a lot more of a burner than um, you know, Desmond Jackson, for example. But I think they're all very good skill sets, and it, it helps so much that they can all run in that sort of in this scheme, right? I mean, Desmond Jackson's obviously, I think, the best zone runner. Dominique Richardson's got great space. He's not great in the open field to make guys miss, but he's got great... He, yeah. he showed for a guy who's I forget we talked about his frame not huge but he is physical right he yeah. he's, he finishes hits and you know drives down on guys and I think 
this this running back group is going to be the core with so much depth but so much talent. Yeah, and, it, and another group that takes pressure off of Spencer Sanders. You know, having a good old line does that. Having a good receiving core does that. And another way, you, you got guys who can stand the ball off too and make plays. You have that, and like you said, four guys can do four different things and known for four different things. You know, Dean, just take me through this. I, I, I literally just wrote down, there's only one word you can really, one word does this whole thing justice. It's just deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's deep, and but I think it's much needed depth. Mm-hmm. Because, and LD Brown will be the first person to tell you this, he, he needs to stay healthy this year. Yeah. Right. You know, he's probably going to be the starter. How they rotate and put people in, you know, that's anybody's guess right now. Beldy Brown is probably running back number one. Sure. And he'll tell you, he told us back in the spring, he said, my job is to stay healthy this year. And having all these guys will help me to where I'm not having to, you know, take 30 snaps. You know, right. get beat up. And, you know, he's he's stepping into a leadership role, I think. I think he's already been in that last year. Right. But going into your sixth year, yeah, you've seen it all. You've been a part of this program. You're not only the starter, you're the leader for this group of guys. Because, you know, Jalen Warren, I mean, he's transferring in from Utah State. This is going to be his first year. Daz has been around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richardson, he's a sophomore. Yeah, Yeah, you know. So, you know, I think the hardest part about this running back group is going to be finding the balancing act. You're going to have to keep everybody happy, you know. I think all, all four of these guys really have starting potential. Oh yeah, no doubt. I think I think they could anywhere, and I think you brought up a good point there, Desmond Jackson. If I have my number right, I think he had thirty six carries against Texas Tech. Yeah, and like and they don't want to do that, right? No, <laughs> Ever. No. That's not where they want to be. The Miami split with those three guys, and I don't remember the exact carries or touches, but I think that's a lot more where you want yeah. to be. And it, it's just a, it's such a luxury because it's it's almost like friendly competitiveness, right? Guys are pushing each other. But I remember last year when you just hear the camaraderie from LD Brown and Chuba Hubbard talking about the running back room and talking about how they have you know three, four, five guys who are really good. You know, most people probably didn't believe them at the time, but by the end of the season, you saw it. And I think next year we're really gonna see it, and it's gonna be a big jolt to this running game. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's gonna be good. I think the running back room's good. It it's solid. It takes pressure off of everybody. You know, running back of skill positions. You know, take out offensive line because obviously they take the biggest beating of everybody. You know, two, two, oh, three hundred yeah. pound yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Right right out. They take the those two guys, the line and O line, take the biggest beating of everybody. But of the skill positions, running backs take a beating. It's a brutal position. And Coach Gunny said, you got you only get two full days of practice during the week between games. So you play Saturday, like rest and kind of go and watch film, uh, rehab on Sundays, practice Monday or off day Monday, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, film, walk through game. You know, and if those guys aren't practicing, they take a, they take thirty six carries. They can't practice. There's no way. They, your body's not gonna be ready for a practice. And then they come on Saturday and they're not ready. You know, it's giving these guys open. They, you know, we talk about Spencer Sanders or not Spencer Sanders. Trooper Hubbard's year of two thousand rushing yards, height and three hundred something carries. Gundy, I don't think was happy with that. That's obviously it looks great on the sheet. It helped him get drafted. Yeah, but it, it you're right. He don't want to do that. It <laughs> helps bring Isaac Oklahoma State having this leading rusher, but. You don't want to do that. That's not we a good don't. thing. No. It, that's Especially a lot in 2021, of carries. Yeah, how, how teams are built. Yeah, and running backs on a short shelf life. No doubt. And, and you're, you're right. They a, take a huge beat. Yeah, and if you're using a 500 times in one year, you're, that's probably a year and a half off of his NFL time that he could have. And that's why he missed so much time last year, yeah. right? Injuries. Yeah, but moving on, another people who take a beating. I'm going to hurry up a, long, a little bit. Cowboy backs. All right. Sadiq, I know you, you have a big opinion on this. 
are they underutilized? Look, like I understand everyone's shouting for cowboy backs. They're big, they're tall, they're whatever. But let me start off saying this, right? Every team, every play caller, Mike Gundy, Mike Leach, Mike whoever, <laughs> everyone's got a different philosophy, right? You know, one guy is going to start with the X receiver. The other guy is going to function around their tight end, right? Which happens. Some are going to be in the running game. Some are going to be passing to their running backs, right? Uh, some are going to be on QB design runs like we see Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Everyone's got a different philosophy. And sure, you got these talented guys who, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and like, pretend it's not a thing. Jelani Woods will likely have a big receiving production season at Virginia, right? We saw Blake Drummond in the NFL. There's a reason. But at the same time, the way Mike Gundy's scheme is built up and the way it is these these um tight ends these cowboy backs are used in such with such versatility their blocking is primarily used and that's why we see such good seasons but it, here's the thing them being used as blockers is the reason it, it's things you'll never see like you have the diamond formation right where you have mm. two or three cowboy backs you have a running back and you have one wide receiver you're expecting to run all the way and because you're you're using these guys as blockers so much the, the teams are going to soak in that way you throw a 30 45 50 yeah. yard bomb to thailand right it's those sort of things and in the blocking game we saw logan carter emerge immensely right as a great, you know, blocker, an elite blocker, and he pushed the pedal so much, and I think the, that's the role in which they use him, and I think that's gonna help. I think that's um, that's why I think it's it's used well. Sure, they could throw him to a little more, you know, change it up, but I think the way the scheme is put together, I think that's the right way. And obviously, we don't have as much depth to see with this OSU team um, at that tight end uh, cowboy back position as he did last year, losing two guys. But you, you still have Braden Cassidy there. You still have Logan Carter. And now you bring in the transfer. Um, Austin, Gerard. Austin Gerard, yes. Thank you. And um, he seems like a great receiving threat, a good blocker. And I think you know, he might step up as a number two guy. Maybe he plays a lot of snaps as a three guy. But that's I think that's important. And I think that's gonna that's another reason this team is just going to function well on offense. Yeah. Dean, you want to take this one? You know, I mean – Cowboy bag wise, I I've always felt that they've used them correctly. I know there's a lot of outcry that they need to be more involved, but the cowboy back is you know he's not going to fill up the stat sheet, right. but he makes those plays and he makes you know he lays out it uh, on the line right. to make sure that you know the offense actually continues to move. Yep. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I'd- I wrote down, you know, on the stat sheet, you look at it, sure, yes, sure. If they don't have the stats, you would want it in a tight end. Right. Whatever. I, but in reality, they're not really undervalued. Or they're, I think they're undervalued almost. Yeah, even, sure. Yeah, like, like if you fans. put them in a different yeah. offense that use a tight end, sure, they're going to have better stats. But that's a lot yeah, of players, exactly, right? Yeah. You put Tylen Wallace in an offense that doesn't throw 50-50 balls, he's not going to yeah. catch anything, yeah, right? Yeah. It, that's how football works. Yeah, but, under, yeah underutilized, no. Underva- undervalued by sure. fans, yes. Yeah, and I think they're on the field so much, they're used. And sometimes you see one cowboy back, sometimes you see three or four. Like, yeah. it's genuinely, maybe not four, but <laughs> we've seen a lot of you know 13 personnel with three tight ends out there. And I think they use them all. I think um, and uh, in the passing game, it's mostly check downs where you've got reliable guys, reliable hands. They rarely run through the seams, but sometimes they do. And sometimes that opens up other things in the offense. Sometimes they catch it, like Jelani Woods against Iowa State. It's just different, different things. And I think it helps the scheme overall move well. I think they've been used pretty well. Yeah, and, tr- and trust me, if if they have a guy who can make a, be, be a playmaker, they're going to get used. Brandon Pettigrew, mm-hmm. Blake Jarwin. Those guys were at OSU. They didn't before them. They didn't really have a guy. They came. They made their impact felt. They ended up doing really well at OSU, both pass catching, blocking, everything. They came. They saw they conquered. Yeah, and then now they're in the NFL. Or they well, Blake John or Blake John's currently in the NFL. Right. Brandon Pettigrew's retired, obviously. Right. But if, if OSU has a guy at tight end, 
they're going to be used. Right. And, you know, you got three of them that you named. You got Quentin Stewart to provide some more depth pieces. You got uh, Luke McIndoo, the Cowboy Jason McIndoo's uh, son. You got you have depth. You just have inexperience. But it, surely in that room, there's one guy who can really step up. And Logan Carter is going to get his chance. Um, bring Cassie. You'll see a lot of time at fullback. Mm-hmm. You know, Arson Gerard will probably get a uh, Juco transfer. He's going to get a chance. They're going to – they try to use them. And, and the Reds are especially. It's never still they've got a, yeah. it's, it's, There were some missed opportunities last year where they try to use the Cowboy back and – they dropped the ball, or they so they kind of went away from him. But Jelani Woods, you know, he got that throw up in Kansas State where they're on the one yard line, and toss it up right to him. Um, they have they get their chances. It's just can they conquer them? And Spencer Sanders loves loves them. Like you know, in the one drive he played against Tulsa last mm-hmm. year, before the season kind of got got going, he threw to Logan Carter I think three times. And so, if they have a guy, they're going to use them. They're beneficial to the offense. They'll be used every now and then. And when they yard, the crowd gets loud. Right, <laughs> it'll be fine. But I think I think the Cowboy back is a great position to have, and they've been utilized pretty well. And one last thought on that: I just think as blockers, they're they're used with such great versatility because in line, it's you know out wide, it's in the backfield, it's you know in the wing sets, you have them all over, and I think that's such a benefit for this offense. Yeah, and real quick before we go, expectations for the season, Sadiq. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ever put, you know, a straight bow on it and mm-hmm. see what they're doing. But I do expect them to, again, end up in the top half, you know, one of the better teams, best teams in the Big 12, possibly take that crown. You know, this is one of those teams where everything's come together mm-hmm. with how the defense, which we'll get to in the next podcast, ha- is playing. I think this offense is going to, you know, obviously push the needle forward a lot, and they're going to perform a lot better, the offensive line, all these aspects. But I think the defense is a big key because they're going to get a lot better field position. You get some turnovers. You're going to get more three and outs. But forced by OSU's defense, which is going to help the offense get better field position. I think it's going to work together, and I think this offense is really going to blossom. It's, again, one of the best offenses in the country, I believe. Yeah, Dean? Yeah, you know, for the offensive side, I think it's a prove. I think it's a prove yourself here. Spencer Sanders needs to prove that he can do this. LD Brown needs to prove that he can stay healthy. Tay Martin needs to prove that he can take Tylen Wallace's spot. That offensive line needs to prove that 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 year, that last year when they got thrown in the fire. That it really did make them that much better, you know. And we're gonna see if quantity beats quality this year. You know, sure they don't have five stars like like uh, OU has, you know. But do all these three stars that you've developed and you've spent all this time on does it pay off? Are you finally able to beat the OU? You yeah. Be able to compete with Iowa State. Yeah, you know, OSU's kind of been picked at the at the bottom end of the top half of the Big Twelve, if that makes sense. You know, four, they picked fourth in the media poll, picked twenty two in the coaches poll today. They, they have what it takes. The defense, we'll talk about it next week. They have they, that's a different. Like they don't really have issues over there. Jim Knowles has that side of the ball hammered down. There's a lot of question marks on the offensive side, but we talked about it today. If it all comes together like it should on paper, or what it looks like on paper, because obviously playing and what it looks like on paper is completely different. But if it comes together like it does, man, they could be they could be solid. And uh, their ceilings probably, yeah, their ceilings obviously probably second. I, I think OU has what it takes to you know make the college football playoff, but. Floor, fourth. I, I think that's the lowest they end. But, well, we'll get to defense next week. It's the first episode of the Turf Monsters. Dean Rule, Chris Becker, Sadiq Tuma. We'll see you guys next week. 